Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, episode 45. This is Writing Excuses, Elemental Issue with Desiree Birch. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. And we have special guest star Desiree Birch. Hi. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so my name is Desiree Birch. I am a solo performer and comedian. So the things that I write are things that are meant for performance. Um, I have, I guess I have six solo shows now, only the latter three of which I actually ever want to look at or touch anymore. Um, but um, So I've written uh, about uh, race and capitalism in America in a show called Tar Baby. Um, I wrote about sex and self-discovery in a show called 52 Man Pickup. And I've written about... Um, identity and getting the hell over yourself in a show called This Is Evolution. So um, I tend to center my work on, um, I guess, uh, identity issues uh, taken uh, from a very personal place. Excellent. And I think, that, is this the first time we've had a professional comedian on Writing Excuses? Oh, burn. Uh, yes, super burn. <laughs> yeah. He's not a comedian, no, I, he's I'm a professional I'm co- comic writer. Yeah, yeah. I write comedy. I, I, well, comedian is reserved yes. 
for people who do stand up, and that is not me. Is it though? I mean, I think that people who you know potentially do sketch or improv, yeah. you know, or it better you know, other be otherwise Brandon's burning me. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have you that. We're absolutely right, Howard. My my mistake as a <laughs> professional comedian. I yes. should have known. It was yes, you, you should have yes ended him. <laughs> yes. So of what are you talking about? That's not there. We're also on the writing excuses cruise. And we are talking about issue, one of which is which, um, one of which is what is a comedian? Um, <laughs> apparently not me. <laughs> um, See, I, I gave you that yeah, laugh. Yeah, 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 you gave me that laugh. I appreciate that. No, issue. Now, this is a little bit of a different elemental genre. When we were brainstorming these a year ago, um, and I was outlining this idea, one of the things I wanted to touch on was stories that are driven by the author's desire to tackle this particular issue. Um, because these are, there are a lot of stories that are like this, and some really great stories are like this. And we've, we've brought up A Christmas Carol in other places. You could argue that Christmas Carol is partially an issue story. I want to tackle the idea. I mean, it's really a drama story, but when the author comes in with an idea and a problem they want to deal with in society, um, this is our story. Now, it covers everything from what we call teen problem novels, which we'll, we'll talk about, to, you know, my characters are dealing with racism, or, you know, I'm going to deal with racism in, in a way that brings it to the audience and makes them think about it. My first question to you then is, um, how do you do this without it feeling preachy? Because some of the great stories out there do this, um, yeah. and when they fail, it's that they're preaching. So, so the, the thing to remember, I think the first goal of any story you're telling is to be entertaining, and you have to do that first. Okay. Um, and so as an example, Aaron Brockovich uh-huh. has an issue story at its heart. It is about water being poisoned in this town and trying to deal with that and trying to deal with corporate greed and all these other things. But at its heart, it is also a very entertaining story about a woman who is driven to overcome all these problems and, you know, the, the corporations and the people in the town. And so it's entertaining first while also hitting the issue that it wants to hit. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think something related to that is that, you know, we, we talk about what the driver is for these things. And one of the things to bear in mind is that, uh, you know, all of the others is I, I want the audience to feel a, a uh, sense of a, a rushing adrenaline. With this one, what you're driving is you want the audience to think about this issue. Uh, Elizabeth Bear recently, as in like this is a, was a light bulb moment for me two weeks ago, said that she thinks the difference between uh, an issue story and a polemic is that issue stories raise questions mm-hmm. and polemics answer them. And, and so I think that that is one of the, the keys when you're trying to write an issue story is that you can raise all of these questions, but as soon as you start giving the audience the answers to it, that's when you move into preaching. Or if you only give them one answer. Or if you only give them yeah. one answer. Which, but giving them one answer is, is an you know, if you give them multiple answers, that still leaves the door for them to... Yeah, yeah that, that's to, raising more questions yeah. as they start to ask themselves, well, which side am I on? Yeah. So how do you tackle this sort of thing? Well, uh, I would agree with what's been said so far. I think that um, 
having uh, empathy for your audience and knowing that uh, they want to be entertained, they want to be engaged with your story is really important. Um, entertaining them and uh, also raising questions rather than answers is uh, a much more interesting line of exploration for both you and them. Uh, my work is intensely personal. Um, I think that the more specific uh, a work gets, the more broadly it relates to other people. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the more the more you want to reach people, the more sort of deeper you kind of have to dig and the more specific you have to be because people will go, OK, well, that specific thing didn't happen to me, but something that feels and looks and tastes so very similar did. And I still get to have my private particular moment while also recognizing that there's a greater humanity in it because somebody else has felt the exact same way as I felt. And so I think that the, the um, getting them to think about something goes hand in hand with them feeling things. I think um, not entirely on the whole, but in the, for the most part, people don't do one or the other. They do kind of, uh, you know, a back and forth of both. And so I think that there are uh, different ways to get there. I, because of the way that I know myself, know that I can think about things, but I will only really delve into deeper thought about them if I have a certain feeling about them. And if I'm going on a line of exploration of what is that feeling? Like, why does that make me angry? Mm -hmm. Why does that make me feel so wounded? Why does that make me feel so giddy? You know, and th that will make me think about them more. So for me, wow. I guess uh, specificity and uh, trying to connect through that is the way that I... I think that, that, that first soundbite, that first soundbite, uh, the more specific you get, the, the more broadly it's going to be received. I don't yeah. remember your exact yeah. words, yeah. but I wanted to repeat that because of how important that concept yeah. is. Well, and yeah. the other thing that I was like, yes, I wrote it down and put a big heart next to it is that you need to have empathy for your audience. I'm like, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, again, such a live performer. <laughs> because, you know, when, when as fiction writers... We, we write our work and the audience receives it a year or two later or yes. longer. Yeah. And uh, for you, you, you perform it and you are having an immediate conversation with the audience. And I think it's very easy for a writer to forget that writing is a conversation. It's just an asynchronous one. Yeah, it's like um, this weird sort of like having sex through time. And you know where yeah. there is a relationship going right. on, and there There's is a sound back and forth. number two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and but there is there is a barrier, and in this case, it's you know time and proximity as opposed to like no one can ever truly know anyone else. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that that um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's important to um, and it's important to to know that the, uh, the your audience is doing you a gracious thing mm -hmm. by listening to you, just as you're doing a gracious thing by sharing your unique and very important perspective on some aspect of the universe with them. And so, like both of you are coming with something that should be respected as it's really mm -hmm. tender and important and generous to, to, to do. You know, I'm still hung up on soundbite number one because I think that might have been the most brilliant thing said in this podcast yeah. since the last time we had guests on. <laughs> and, <clears throat> because really, I have found a way, tried to find a way to encapsulate that idea to the audience. Um, and what's going on here is by making, like when people want to tackle an issue, I see this in my students. They ta try to tackle it broadly because they want it to be like, we're going to tackle this in broad. But what works is when you take a character, you make it very individual and specific mm -hmm. and authentic to them. And you don't say, this is how the issue is for everyone. This is the effects of the issue on one person 
and their way of seeing the world. I'm not speaking for a population. I'm speaking for an individual who is part of a greater discussion. And when you do that, that issue suddenly becomes personal. Yeah, and and the reason that that is working is because it's a show-don't-tell thing. You're not saying, look, racism is bad. You're Mm -hmm. saying, look, this guy's life has been destroyed in these very specific ways by racism. And so you've got that, that specificity. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it is, you know, the, the reason that we, we use parables and anecdotes rather than statistics when we're trying to prove a point is because of that, that connection, that, that specificity. Yeah, and I also, I mean, uh, for your part as the creator, it does sort of make your work a little bit more impeccable. Like you're not trying, like they're never going to be able to say everything. And the more you try, the more people are going to want, want to punch holes into mm-hmm. what you're trying to say. But this, but this, but that. And if you make it very specific and you're like, but no, for this person, this is absolutely true. You know, and, and, and this is the story of this tiny world of everything. The more people kind of have to go, well, okay, respect. I will respect the rules of your world because you didn't try to, you know, diminish mine in the creation of yours. You know, this same principle applies uh, when, we, when we assigned the homework prior to this episode. It was, uh, we, we called it, if, if, you know, if I only had a brain. Uh, put, put a brain in the straw man. Mm. Uh, find the other side of the issue and discuss it in a way that's intelligent. And this same principle applies there. If you take, for instance, racism and you find somebody whose life is impacted by racism uh, at the other side of it. It's Mm -hmm. hard for me to empathize with them because I don't like their position, but it is also much easier to understand them when you describe how their life as a racist is affected when race relations change. And and until you understand that, until you can articulate that, you can't tell a story about that changing without being preachy and polemic. Yeah, and that that's exactly the thing that leads to the 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 villain that is is completely cardboard and appears to just be there to twirl their mustache is because we aren't <laughs> we aren't there for the the specificity of the of the the bigotry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right better racists is what we're saying. <laughs> Ultimately, like this is an exercise in being kind of like a a better human being in some ways. I think that we, you know, tend to easily demonize anyone who has sort of fallen outside of the realm of, of, you know, normality. However, everybody is a person. Everybody had a series of, you know, of actions, of circumstances that led them to be where they are. You know, even that villain is his own hero, you know, and has a whole, you know, arc in which, you know, what he is doing is for some kind of greater good, even if it is just for his or her own greater good. Um, but I think in, in looking at, you know, let's empathize with the racist that we don't empathize with or that we don't want to empathize with. I think, you know, the scary part is the more that you start to, the more you realize that you are pretty much the same in so many mm-hmm. ways and that, you know, uh, you potentially are a racist for something else or like that much of a bigot in some other kind of way where you don't understand the person on the other side of the table that you're pointing that finger at until you take the steps to get there and go like, oh, I can be that person too. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Uh, and Dan, you're going to promote a book that has yes. an issue so, to it. So, um, my newest book that uh, it comes out next week, November 15th, is called Extreme Makeover. And it is uh, about a health and beauty company that destroys the world. And I worked in this industry for eight years. And so, while there is a core science fictional idea about a hand lotion that can clone people and overwrite their DNA, um, what I really had fun with and what I really wanted to dig into was the culture of beauty and the commerce of beauty and how we buy and sell the concept of self-worth um, and individuality and, and that kind of thing. And so it, it is the most overtly and uh, social science fiction thing that I have ever written. It is also, in my own humble and unbiased opinion, the best science fiction I have ever written. So... Um, Extreme Makeover. It is a wonderful book. And we are going to project in depth that at some point in the future, probably not till next year, but we will be doing it. So you can get a jump on that and read Extreme Makeover. Is it actually subtitled Apocalypse Edition? Um, No, because Mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble is a chicken. Oh, Barnes and Noble didn't want to do it because they thought the audience would be confused and ask for the normal edition. So <laughs> really? we couldn't get away with Extreme Makeover Apocalypse Edition. But <laughs> this in is my head, that's what it is. This is an opportunity for you to print $6 slipcovers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to um, take us a little bit back from the... Um, um, the concept of something like racism, which is an important issue, and I'm glad we're writing stories about. But this also topic covers things that don't have like two sides to them, such as I want to deal with a kid in school who has bulimia and how they deal with this mental illness or and uh, physical illness and things like this. Like, how do you write a story like that? How do you approach? a story where a character is dealing with a major issue, but you don't want the character to just be defined only by that issue. The advice that I was given by David Anthony Durham uh, was to make the main plot about something else. 
mm-hmm. um, is unfortunately actually to treat the issue as a subgenre. Right, right, so, which we'll do, do which later. We, which yeah. we will do later. But but by placing the character in in situations where their condition, where that issue is affecting the way they interact with the world, uh, it is is a way to highlight all of the problems with that issue mm-hmm. without sitting there and going, oh, look, today is a bad yeah. day. Yeah, uh, The Fault in Our Stars yeah. is about cancer, but it's actually a love story. If, right. if it was just, here's the story of two kids with cancer, well, okay, then it's kind of a description of a day in the life of a kid with cancer. But a love story that is affected by cancer, suddenly there's conflict and there's drama and there's all these other things. When I was a kid one of our teachers read to us a book that I'm not going to name, but it was a, teen, or a young, young kid problem novel about being fat. And I was a fat kid. And that book was so inauthentic, I hated <laughs> listening to it. And it was probably there for me. He was probably reading it because I'm like, oh, we've got this, you know, fat kid in the class. We'll read this book to him and he'll see it. <laughs> it's that inclusion that week, It's guys. inclusion week. We're going to read the story about the fat kid. Um, and I was so annoyed by that book the whole time. I'm like, you know, this kid's everyday life, like everything they did was all about being the fat kid. And my life wasn't like that, right? And so you decided to yeah. rise up and write better books. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that as, was your as moment. Twelve year old or eleven year old or whatever. But yeah, this. Yeah. I've always remembered this as a failure for me of the problem novel, and yet I have friends who write fantastic ones, uh, which is why I wanted to bring this up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is really difficult to do this one as a as a primary driver and. And I think one of the ways you can do it is something we've, we've already touched on, which is is making sure that there are multiple points of view represented. Yeah. So if you did want something that was just about, um, I'm going to pick a different example okay. because I think that's going to be a little triggery for some yes. of our, our mm-hmm. audience members. Um, so let's let's say that you you wanted to write a story about um, about the the love of gerbils. Okay. Yep. Um, and that, that gerbils were amazing, amazing creatures, and that you wanted everyone to know and love gerbils as much as you did. Um, if you just write a story about how much your character loves that gerbil, that is that is flat and inauthentic and dull. Um, but if you have your character, if you have a character that is ambivalent about gerbils, if you have a character that hates gerbils, if you have a character, scary gerbils, if you Mm -hmm. have a character that only likes the silky gerbils Mm. and the short hair gerbils is no big, you know, if there's a gerbil breeder and they all have, and if there's a, you know, if they all have different points of view, then even if it is, it is all about gerbils, there is something going on in this beyond just gerbils are great. Yes. The person who is scared of gerbils falls in love with the person who, you know, gerbils yes. are the main source of joy in their lives. Yeah. And we have an entire anthology coming up. <laughs> uh, so w- when I wrote The Hollow City, which is about schizophrenia, again, it's, it's falling into this weird niche where it's not about schizophrenia, but it is also very much about schizophrenia. Yeah, I would call that one issue schizophrenia and everything else subgenre to that one, but you're hiding it. Right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hidden inside of a thriller. And, and when I started working on that, it was very important to, for, to me to do the mental illness right. Because, and we've already touched on this, mental illness is always, almost always, either demonized or canonized when it appears in entertainment media. 
You know, it's always that guy's bad because he has a mental illness or look at those saintly people with whatever like one floor of the cuckoo's nest drives me up the wall because of the way it presents mental illness essentially as a life choice rather than than a problem that needs to be solved um, or at least dealt with. And so what I learned was that the way around that problem was to treat it as realistically as possible, to really learn, do your research. What is it like to live with this? What is it like to live with someone who lives with this? And show all sides of it and not try to turn it into a metaphor, but to treat it as a real thing. I am, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, please it, go the, for it. You, you know, you said, uh, uh, you know, Hollow City is, issue is the principal genre, but we're asking ourselves with the elemental genres, what is my, what is my page turner? Mm-hmm. What is causing me to turn the pages? And I think it is possible that with issue as an elemental genre, if the page turner is, I want to learn more about this issue, mm. it's possible that you're actually writing nonfiction. And if you want your issue story to work, the page turner is, it's a thriller, it's a romance, it's... I mean, you can still be turning pages about the issue, but I think the principal driver for the turning of the pages wants to be something else so that we're more likely to accept what is being said about the issue. Thank you for dropping that bomb at the end of the podcast and making Mary sit up and want to talk about it for 10 minutes. Um, I'm going to let this one go a little bit longer to give you a rebuttal I could chance. be wrong. Rebuttal. Yeah, I'm- yeah I, I think that actually, I, I was like, oh yeah, no, I think the page turner in, in an issue thing is wanting to learn more about, about the issue. I, I, I think when we're talking... A, mm-hmm. a pure elemental. Yeah, I, not, I agree. Not not as a subgenre, and, and you know, I can think. I mean, um, Hollow City is a good example of that. That I was very interested in how specifically how the schizophrenia affected the way he was interacting with the world. Well, I was going to ask because I don't know that particular mm-hmm. book. Is the page turner wanting to learn more about the issue or wanting to learn more about the character? who has this issue, because I think even in your way that you and described it, you show this character as being a human with flaws, and sometimes, it, sometimes it's the saint, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's the demon, and a lot yeah. of times it's all the things in between, and so it's kind of like, oh, this character isn't the way that I like initially yeah. sort of boxed And we might be in. splitting That's a semantic hair here, because you're coming back, Desiree, to what you said earlier, um, I turn pages because of the specificity. I turn pages because, uh, you know, I want to know about this character, um, and yeah. I, now, and, and as a fantastic counterexample, I know we're going long, um, the new Snowden movie, the Edward Snowden mm. movie, which I have not seen, but which the reviews pretty much all agree, ignores the amazing issues of, you know, of, of NSA breach of, secure, uh, breach of privacy and all these questions of, of is it okay to be a whistleblower and all that stuff, and focuses very strongly on his personal life and mm. his relationship. Yeah. And... It seems like they may have gone too far in that other direction uh, as a way of getting you interested in the issue and then kind of forgetting about the issue. I, I yeah. think I, I was sitting here going, can I think of examples where issue is not paired with drama as we have been describing drama? And Asimov, uh, mm. the three laws, the, the, the number mm-hmm. of stories that he has that are about the three laws and the way it interacts with society, but it is not about... In the, it's not about the characters. It's not about the characters. It's sometimes about problem solving, a little bit about mystery, but sometimes it is just 
the three laws are broken. Let's see how they're broken. Yeah, and like the, the, is that more of an idea story, though? Well, I think that the issue there is very much the what are the ethics of robotics? Yeah, there were there were yeah. definitely okay. ethical. and there are idea stories, and there yeah. are but there are certainly ones that are just well. You're right. I'm going to call this yes. because we're going to talk about it in two weeks um, anyway as a subgenre. So I'm I'm going to let us go there, Mary. I'm going to have you give us some homework. Right. So what I want you to do is I want you to get a magazine about a topic that you do not normally read. Uh, and I want you to read the entire thing cover to cover, including the ads. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, was that no, all? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. You, you just, that's all you wanted to do is that's, read that's it. All we're, yeah, just, yep, you're this time read you're just going to read it. You can take notes on the issues that arise, even if they are issues of that come from the ads. Yeah. And we'll have you do something with that in a later week. All right. We want to thank our special guest star, Desiree Birch. Thank you for having me here. We want to thank our uh, writing excuses uh, cruise members. <laughs> and we want to thank you guys for listening. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.